Hiya, Mackenzie. Hi, Lamar. Want to go do a podcast? Sure, Lamar. Well, you got to do the rest. I mean, no, I don't. I'm all good. If you could do a better, like, Barbie, a more Barbie-esque voice, I think that would go a long way as well. This is the most Barbieist my voice can get, Lamar. I mean, that's fair. They this the whole point of this movie, I guess, is that there's a lot of different Barbies and whatnot. So we right. have I'm just as Barbie as all the other Barbies. Okay. Yeah. We don't need to be yeah. five octaves higher for me to be Barbie. Fair <laughs> enough. Okay. We don't have to do the song. How's uh how's Oscar Watch going? That's what we should call it. Oscar Watch Watch. Oscar oh. uh, a little check in on Oscar Watch Watch. Wow, that's that's we. I can't believe it took us that long to come to that. But you yeah, know, we have like two weeks left to use oh, it. I know. <laughs> um, it's going. It's going pretty well, actually. I do have a pretty solid update. I think, um, okay. which is maybe indicative of uh, what a loser I am. So, uh, if you'll recall, I can't remember what our last check in where I was at exactly, but I had I had made a decent dent. I think I had watched like eight or nine, something like that. Um, but out of 53 total films, I just, I want you to guess how many I have to go. Out of 53, I'm going to guess you still have 24 to go. 14. Oh, okay. So you are, mm. you're ahead of my schedule, but I don't watch all of them. So I have no moral no, compass for where but they I should am, be. I am generally speaking, like very much ahead of schedule. Yeah, for okay, sure. Okay. So I, I feel because I still have a solid like what three weeks ish to go mm-hmm. before the Oscars. And usually it's like literally the week of its crunch time. Last year, for example, I watched the last one the morning of the Oscars. So I'm usually like right up against it. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm pretty proud of myself. I'm less proud that I pulled a, I pulled a Lamar in order to watch one of these because I couldn't find it anywhere. I finally gave up. On trying to find it, trying to source Go it. Go ahead, admit to the government live on this podcast <laughs> what you did. I can't tell them which one because then they will track it to me because it for <laughs> sure happened this week. <laughs> but yes, I definitely, well, I I did some research. I did significant research and it was not going to come out before the Oscars. Like okay. it was hard and fast. It was not going to release anywhere, theater, streaming, mm-hmm. whatever. And I finally was like, I can't let this one, this one movie be the reason. So... I did. I did. But I can't say what. I don't want to get arrested. Is this the worst thing you've ever done in your life? Like the worst law you've ever broken? It feels pretty. No, it's definitely not the worst law I've ever (laughs) broken. But it feels like stealing. It does. Tell us what that one is, too. Live (laughs) on the podcast. (laughs) That's for off mic. That's not for on the podcast. Or at least after I get through my cocktail. Fair. Fair. All right. We'll see what happens, folks. Stick around. Welcome back to We Drink and We Watch Things. I'm Mackenzie. I'm Lamar. And today we are talking about Barbie. It is our final episode of our Oscars Feb that we never came up with a better name for, but whatever. It's our our Best Picture nominee. So I'm super stoked. Are you ready? I'm stoked because the people are stoked. This one, not unanimously, but very easily out of the the seven or so movies we still had left, this just sort of tanked everybody else. And yeah, people really want us to talk about this. So I'm excited. Yeah, it won by a wide margin that may or may not had anything to do with the threats that I levied against you guys in the poll. So <laughs> thank you for following directions. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I would have really liked to talk about any of them because, again, I've had to watch them all. 
Uh, but we've talked about this since like, I want to say since this came out almost like since we started the pod talking about when are we going to talk about Barbie? So I felt like, yeah, I remember we we talked about this in one of our first few weeks of when Mm -hmm. you and I were just discussing what should we do first or which, what should the first few episodes be? Barbie came up, but it was like, well, everyone's talking about it now. Let's keep it in our back pocket and talk about it down the line. I saw a stat online of this was the first billion dollar box office film that was directed solely by a woman. I thought mm-hmm. that was pretty, I didn't, wasn't aware of that. And so I think talking about it when it's on the verge of winning some of these awards is, is sort of a pretty suitable time. The right time. So thanks for helping us yeah, out, yeah. guys, with your solid voting skills. But all that to say, this is, this is Barbie day. So I want to hear what your Barbie cocktail is. What are we drinking? I mean, I just went stereotypical. I did actually look up the recipe, but I made myself a nice little cosmopolitan. Oh my God. We no. are so twinning. Look. Yeah. Look at us. Yeah. Every- Yours is redder than mine. How much cranberry juice did you use? Okay, so I did change it to a pomegranate cosmo because Maybe I don't that's- Yeah, I don't have any cranberry right now. And I just thought it would be just as fun and pretty pinky. Yeah. 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 Mine came out like a really light pink, but I think that just means more vodka. So yeah, we're good. Yeah. This is great. Cheers. Cheers. Man, I'm so proud of us and our cocktail choosing. Our wave our cocktail wavelengths are great. I mean, I'm not gonna lie. I came really close to just using I have like a little uh pre-made mixer thing that I got on Amazon for like three bucks for a Cosmo. Mm-hmm. I've had it sitting there forever. I came really close to using that, but I ended up looking up a recipe and it's so easy to make a Cosmo that I had everything lying around anyway. So yeah, is it mix. is it is super easy. The only thing I didn't have was like a twist, which I was a little sad about. I almost did a strawberry, but I was like, it's just going to, it's good. I'm going to make a mess is what I knew about that <laughs> moment. I was like, if I stick, if I stick a strawberry here while we're potting, I'm definitely going to make a mess with it. But anyway, so no. I actually really like it. I haven't had a Cosmo in a hot minute. It's not a, it's not a multi drink for me. Like I can do one and then I'm done for sure. I don't get why these are, cons- I think it's just the color that makes this a girly drink because my, at least for mine, it's just as strong as maybe not quite a martini, but there's a lot of vodka and Cointreau like the Yeah. I don't understand why this gets a reputation for being a girly it's drink. It's sex in the city, my friend. They ruined it for everyone. They- you know, they ruined everything. <laughs> Shit, they did Sex, ruin a lot. That show does not titty, hold up great, to be honest. Cosmos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, well, you know what didn't ruin everything is this fucking movie. So let's roll. This is going to be a little bit different, guys, because honestly, given all the records this film has broken, I feel like you've probably seen it if you're listening to this episode. Uh, pretty hard to find somebody, I think, lately who hasn't seen it. So, yeah, I think that. Every female in my life has seen this. The dudes, I think it's like still like 70 or 80 percent. So if mm-hmm. you're a guy and I mean, obviously, you know, genders aside and whatnot, I'm speaking to like people who identify as men. If you're a guy that has not seen this, but you're just tuning into this just to get our take on it for the fr- and get us to give a spoiler free. I don't think we're going to do that today. Go see it. It's it's very much worth seeing whether you're man, woman, yeah. whatever you identify as. Um, it's a great film. It's funny. It does have a message that I felt like I'm maybe not in the target market for. I see what's there and I believe it to be true. And I'm very supportive of the message there. So it doesn't all hit home for me in the feels, but I think it's worth watching at least once, no matter what. So go see it. Yeah, I love that review uh, from a guy as well, because I feel like it doesn't always, unfortunately, don't get me started, but it doesn't always hold the same weight coming from a woman to be like, you have to watch Barbie, you know, and everyone's, you know, I actually had multiple 
debates with folks who had not seen it and were had no intention of seeing it, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, and and luckily, I you know I have good good friends and family relationships where they took me seriously, and a lot of them went and saw it. And I remember one in particular saw it later that same day and was immediately like, "Okay, my bad." Like I didn't. This wasn't what I expected at all. This was you know this yeah. was a really different film. So I think if you have the perception of it just being I don't know, either highly commercialized or super girly or like anti-men. Mm-hmm. Like it's not any of those things at a high level. And if you haven't seen it, then yeah, then turn around now, go go see it because we're going to pretty much dive in. I feel like a lot of you have seen it, so we're not going to really do a spoiler-free review. But I would say off the bat, like love this film, highly recommend. Go, go Absolutely. see it. And it's weird, like thinking about this, I didn't want to delve super deep into sort of the so I, we are going to obviously talk about the social messages here, but I was going to let mm-hmm. you sort of lead that because I, as I said, I might not be in the target market for this. But one thing that I want to say is just because a film is or any piece of media or a person is giving you somebody else's viewpoint of their personal experience of the way that they see the world. And in this case, women, the way that women experience the world that we live in. Just because that's the case doesn't mean it has to be anti whatever you are. Just because you're not in that group, mm-hmm. it does not mean that it is against you in some way. It yeah. is about establishing empathy of this is what it's like for this group and this is how they see the world. So I think we could delve into there's plenty of other examples of this, not just in film, but in real fucking life of like, you know, Black Lives Matter movement and whatnot of like, oh, right. that's anti white just because you're not in that group. It, the point of that is not to be anti-something. So yeah. don't take it that way, dudes. This is not an anti-men film. It's a mm-hmm. pro-women film, but that does not mean that it is anti-men. So take yeah. a chill pill. Watch the fucking movie. Yes, thank you. I'm glad that I'm not the person lecturing people on the pod for once. Like I'm super stoked that I got to pass that baton to you for once. And on behalf of women everywhere. Thanks so much, Lamar. That just put me I in just a great blacked mood. out for a second. I was gonna say <laughs> my heart started saying, Yeah. <laughs> I love it. I'm here for it. Blackout more often. Uh no. All that to say, we're gonna dig into some of the basic deets like we'd like to, and then we're gonna dig into all that stuff. Um, mm-hmm. so I think first and foremost. This is directed and written by Greta Gerwig, co-written with her partner, Noah Baumbach. And if you don't know about either of them prior to this, they are longtime writing partners. Um, and he's he's a longtime screenwriter and I think playwright as well, uh, but definitely longtime writer and longtime writing partners and then also life partners. So this was kind oh. of her project, her baby, but they are they are together and they wrote this together and they put out some incredible some incredible work together. They're really uh, a really good mm-hmm. partnership. And he has consulted on many of her other films. I don't know if he always gets a writing credit, but like he's consulted on almost other, the, all the other films she's done herself, like um, Lady Bird and Little Women. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Frances Ha is one of hers. That's she's that's really fun, really, really well done. Um, but he's known for things like he did, I think it's Marriage Story on Netflix. Was, the, was That one didn't win Best Picture, right? But it won some acting. It didn't win Best Picture. I want to say it won Best Screenplay, actually. I feel like it won for something like that. Mm-hmm. He was nominated for sure for Best Screenplay. But yeah. um, You want to talk don't... about getting in your feels, that one. That Dude, one that is... That is a rough watch. It's a rough watch. And if you have been married and divorced like myself, then uh, it's super traumatizing. But it's <laughs> very well done. Um, very well done. He's an incredible writer. And so is she. I also didn't realize he works with Wes Anderson a fair amount. Like he's got writing credits on 
not every one of them, but Fantastic Mr. Fox and Life Aquatic, which are two of my favorite Wes Andersons. So I, mm-hmm. I didn't know what's more of that. And I also didn't know they were married. So good for them. Yeah, I don't think they're married, married, but they're long time. Oh, they're life partners. They're life it. partners. Like they're long time partners. And they may even have gotten married at some point. But like you can, I don't know, you can just tell it's never been the thing mm-hmm. that important to them. But mm-hmm. yeah, they put out some great work. And then I think obviously credit has to be given where it's due to Greta Gerwig for directing this film and bringing the entire vision together, right? Of this, mm-hmm. not only the story itself, but how to capture this aesthetic, you know, is really, it, it, if you hear, read about it at all, some of the production stories, and we'll get into that of like, how she brought the cast together, how she brought the team together mm-hmm. to really make this what it was is really, is really cool. And I think it's also just indicative of the collaborative nature of filmmaking, especially with a woman at the helm. Some of those yeah. stories that you don't always hear on other films. And I love when you do. You hear it like Patty Jenkins when she did Wonder Woman. That was another big story coming out of that film of like how collaborative that set was and, and you know, the team, the team bonding that came out of that. So love to see that carry over here as well and not have, you know, I don't know, any of the weird toxic stuff that can sometimes surround a film set, any film set, by the way. So really great direction, really great writing. Um, and then, of course, a killer cast, which we have to get into. Mm-hmm. There's so many incredible like cameos and appearances Hard to go into all of them, but our leading lady is Margot Robbie as Barbie. And I'm sure you know her from lots of things. Um, mm-hmm. Most probably most famously Wolf of Wall Street, I feel like. Not, most people, not as feminist of a film as not Barbie. Not a is. feminist film, that's yeah. for sure. <laughs> like two or three rungs, but if Barbie is a 10, Wolf of Wall Street's probably like a seven and a half as far as the feminism <laughs> scale goes. Yeah. <laughs> definitely i would go a little bit lower than that for sure but yeah so great great film but uh yeah not the same vibes at all Mm -hmm. um but it's funny i first saw her i remember very first seeing her in pan am it was like an abc tv show a long time ago now and it was these pam and pan am flight attendants who were spies in like the late 50s early 60s oh this is a true story no, it's like a fictional retelling. I mean, I don't know. I mean, I maybe the, listen, it would be a great move. Maybe they're maybe it's based nope. on a true story, but no, it's just like a, you know, these women who were spies and she was one of them. She was one of the women who was like one of the Pan Am flight attendants and she's not like the spy, but she's kind of ancillary to the story. But she she even then on a, just a TV show was like really stealing the show, I think in a lot of ways. And so okay. it's cool to see her progression of you know, how far she's come all the way up to she's a producer on this film, right? She's the mm-hmm. lead actress, but she is one of the one of the main minds behind the vision. Her and Greta Gerwig, I would say, are really partners in the making of this film. And uh, so it's really cool to see her go from being, you know, a supporting cast on a TV show years ago to uh, producing one of the highest grossing films ever. You know, amazing. Yeah. It's you, I didn't know it until you pointed it out to me during Saltburn that Margot Robbie actually has a production company. That company financed Promising Young Woman, which mm-hmm. was Emerald Fennel's first film. And so yeah. Emerald Fennel, we talked about this in the Saltburn app, appears here in a small cameo role mm-hmm. as Midge. You know, she's got two or three little <laughs> moments throughout the film and they make a lot of jokes about her poor, poor character, just like poor, poor, what's her face in Saltburn. I know, um, we're going to have to... <laughs> we're gonna have to get back to that later because her cameos are pretty funny but um mm-hmm. but yeah anyway I, I think the thing here is like margot robbie is has grown so much as an actress but also as a producer and i think it's really cool to see two women 
really at the helm of this film. So that's yeah. that's awesome. Then of course we have to give credit where it's due to Ryan Gosling, who I love in yeah. pretty much all the fucking things. I mean, this kid has been around since the Mickey Mouse Club. And but his range, like if you go back and I did it again today, but just looking at it all in a row in the list of his films, he's so diverse in his range. Like it is really cool to see all the roles he has played and how different they are. And, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's in drive where he's like this monosyllabic driver who, you know, you don't know what he's feeling or thinking half the time and versus La La Land where he's playing piano and singing and dancing and, you know, Mm -hmm. playing that kind of musical, but musical love story. Or if he's just being a heartthrob, you know, or if he's, you know, beyond the pines is another like really heavy film. He can just, I think he just can play anything. So I completely understand and we'll get into it, like why he was nominated here, among other things. I mean, I think he's been nominated many times before and deserving, I think, most of the time. Yeah, I think he's kind of underrated in Hollywood because I we get it. He's He is very attractive. Like he's a good sure. looking dude. But I, I think he doesn't get enough credit for it would have been really easy for him to sort of phone it in on his career mm-hmm. and just take very predictable roles but the mm-hmm. it, you know he shows off his chops in all different types of dramatic and comedic roles especially in this one so yeah Ryan Gosling underrated somehow underrated somehow but I think you're right I think sometimes and like Charlize Theron got in a lot of trouble a few years ago because she's obviously one of the most beautiful women in the world mm-hmm. and was like complaining that being beautiful is sometimes a curse because people underestimate you or underrate mm-hmm. you because they just are looking at your looks and her her message was totally missed but applies in the same way I think of like Ryan Gosling is a gorgeous man Charlize Theron is a gorgeous woman does that then mean that they aren't incredible actors as well absolutely not like they both put out some incredible performances and while I don't know that this is an Oscar winning performance in his category, which we can get into later because he's in, it, he does an incredible job, but there are some incredible nominees. Um, I do think he has kind of almost like a Leonardo DiCaprio moment for me of it's yeah. been years and years of him playing a lot of really great roles and, and kind of being passed over. And I could see him winning if only for that reason is I think what I would say, because he's yeah. kind of quote unquote do. I'm not saying that's how it should be. I'm not saying that at all. I'm just saying I think like I could see that happening here potentially. Yeah, the Academy is a silly place. We've talked about that before. but We have. The knows? way they vote is weird. Anyway, yeah. moving right along. One who absolutely is deserving of winning both in general and for this performance is America Ferreira, mm-hmm. who basically came to notoriety in Real Women Have Curves, which is years and years ago now, Um, but very different role for her and a really, really beautiful, poignant role that really put her on the map. But then she kind of went to do a lot of different things, you know, Sister of the Traveling Pants kind of movies. And then she was in Ugly Betty, which was on TV for a very long time, which I didn't ever really see. It just wasn't, I don't know, my vibe at the time. But I've heard is incredible. Nothing but good things. Um, And then this performance, obviously, I think mm-hmm. she just knocks it out of the park. It's really, it's a really refreshing, cool role for her to take on. Yeah, it's interesting. And we already said we're going to spoil this. I'm not going to get into details here. But it's interesting that for Margot Robbie playing the title character and having a lot of the key pivotal emotional moments in this, and she does get some very strong moments. I think America Ferreira really has what most people are going to remember from this film and that that big monologue that she gives. Yeah, I mean, we're going to get there, but that monologue, I think, spoke to women, but also men. Like, I think it shined a light on some things that people don't recognize in the day-to-day life of moving through the world as a woman. So, yeah, mm-hmm. she and she delivers it 
perfectly. So yeah, love her here. Love her and her other work as well. We also love Issa Rae coming in as our president <laughs> of the Barbies. Bad bitch. Uh, she's based on a real doll that's based on an actual 1994 doll who was running for president. So, uh, I love that. I love that too, in general, like side note about this film, like they are referencing real Barbies throughout. I mean, and that's, what's fun about it is like you, you, I think almost notice when it's all in aggregate like this, how many different types of Barbies there actually have been. Like you kind of don't think about that on the regular. You just think of the quote unquote Mm -hmm. stereotypical Barbie and, it's kind of cool to see the, the the full picture here, but she's known for all kinds of stuff. She did uh, Insecure is her big yeah. show on HBO that she's gotten a ton of credit for because I think she's also the writer on that as well. I could be wrong. Don't don't quiz me, but I think she writes for that as well. But then she was also in American Fiction, another Oscar nom this year. So she plays a cool character on that as well. So she's just I mean, she's like a good luck charm. Her movies just get nominated, I guess. Mm hmm. And then we got a bunch of cameos, a bunch of great people make appearances. Kate McKinnon, Michael Sarah, Ray Perlman, who always makes me think of Matilda. I can't help it. Like, that's my, I mean, she was in lots of many, many other things, but that's just my favorite. Um, and then, of course, Will Ferrell, uh, who, who kills it. Who kills it. And just, a- as always, but I just love how he just commit, you know, it doesn't matter what his role is. Mm-hmm. He just, he commits to the role. He's like 110%. To, to plug another pod, he his episodes on Smartless, for example, are some of the best. He's just like, he's so fun and so witty and so genuine. But he's if he goes into a role moment type of moment, he's just committed 110%. So, Is this one of those things where you shout out Smartless and they're going to do the same for us? Yeah, I'm sure they will because Jason Bateman, Will Arnett, and Sean Hayes are all big fans of ours. Um, I'm super confident that we're definitely going to get a plug on their pod. Yeah. Okay. I was just making sure that's what was happening. I hear that a lot in the podcasts I listen to. So cool. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Thanks, Jason. Thanks, guys. Uh, So those are all the ones I had that were really notable. Again, there are many, many more. Uh, Who are some others? For my friend Ashley, who I know listens to this podcast, I have to say Simu Liu is in this. Mm. That's mm-hmm. all I have to say. She's freaking out right now. Okay, we can oh, move on. Oh, okay. Okay. You checked the box. You're not going to be in trouble yep. anymore? Nope. Well, there you go. But there are more, of course. There's like a Dua Lipa. There's, you know, we said Emerald Fennel. There's a several appearances from half of the cast, I feel like, of Sex Education is also in this film is something that I noticed. So that's another that's another one that I'm kind of like, I have been meaning to deep dive if the production companies are involved in both, like if Margot mm. Robbie's production company is involved in both, because there are a ton of the sex education cast are also here as Barbies or Kens or what have you. We got John Cena, who's a mermaid Ken of all things, which <laughs> I don't know. I guess he kind of pulls off. What do you think? Would you would you ever mermaid Ken Lamar? That's the question. Would you wear a mermaid tail? If I got to be in this movie? Yeah, I think I would probably get a nice little payday out of this. Yeah. Okay, but like not in this movie. Like there's a pool no, party I've and seen somebody's like clips of the poor girl, not poor, that it's their job, but the girls at different parks who dress up as mermaids and have to swim yeah. around and them almost drowning at times. <laughs> I don't I don't want that gig. That sounds terrible. <laughs> okay, so hard pass for you on the mermaid Ken. Got it. I don't even <laughs> scuba dive. So that shit, no. No thank you. Snorkel even perhaps snorkel. You don't snorkel. Even... You're close to the surface there. I just don't like the thought of being, you know, even like 10 feet deep with something wrapped around me that I can't get off mm. on my own accord. Yeah. We have unlocked a fear today, folks. I'm, yeah. I'm getting it. I'm getting yep. it. All right. Well, I'm a fish, so I'll teach you. Don't worry. Thank um, you. Okay. So should we give them a quick plot? I don't know. 
I mean, I feel like people have seen it. I've got a very, I got a short one. I got a short one. So let's do it. All right. Barbie and Ken are having the time of their lives in the colorful and seemingly perfect world of Barbie land. However, when they get a chance to go to the real world, they soon discover the joys and perils of living among humans. Simple to the point. Mm -hmm. Pretty close to accurate. I feel like anything you would add. No, I think um, to spin off of that plot summary, and we're not going to walk through the entire plot, but one thing I did want to shout out was at the beginning, it's sort of setting this tone of how perfect everything is in Barbie land Mm -hmm. and sort of the existing frustrations of the Ken character and Barbie having these doubts. And I love that we go in the first 10 minutes of the film through this perfect day that they live every day. And then that line of, do you guys ever think about dying? out of nowhere <laughs> that was when i was like okay i'm fucking on board this is great so that single line set the tone for me for the entire film oh yeah i think it's so <laughs> you're right it's like it just out of nowhere it's like a gut punch but it's just mm-hmm. it's a hilarious gut punch and the way she delivers it too is this very like not deadpan but just like she's still trying to smile and like just <laughs> casually suggest this this concept and be like okay we're cool right and everyone's like no what the hell are you talking about she's like oh nothing you know i'm just thinking about death no big deal um but yeah i i love that delivery i love the the kickoff with the bang there but i think generally speaking that captures the whole kind of story what i think maybe is uh is missed is that it's seemingly unprompted at first of like why she starts to think that way. Like why does she start to question these things? And you eventually find out that it has to do with someone in the real world. But at first you're kind of like, again, you're like the seemingly perfect Barbie world. Why would we, why would she be having these thoughts? Like what's making her experience this versus any of the other Barbies. Um, And so it's interesting to, eventually throughout the film figure out why that's happening for her and how she has this connection to to the real world yeah the rules of the movie i think if you overthink the rules of this film it can be a little confusing and it's Mm -hmm. one of those where i kind of appreciate the fact that they're just like yeah we're just gonna make up our own narrative it doesn't have to all make sense of what the rules are because this Barbie is tied to one specific person in the real world. Does that mean that each of these other Barbies and Ken's are also tied or is this just her universe? When we get to the real world, you know, there's this portal into the real world where they can just seemingly go when they want to. Uh, Mattel is there, but it's despite being the quote unquote real world, it's still a very zany environment at Mattel. Mm -hmm. So yeah, the rules of this are very loosey goosey, but I kind of like that about the movie. Just yeah, don't overthink it. Don't overthink it and, you know, I I think let it unravel a little bit. And that's part of it, too, is like see where it goes, see where it takes you. And Mm -hmm. um, she does a great job, I think, of like playing it straight. Like we said, it was like she she's kind of vaguely aware that there's something going wrong. And she's just like, I'm it's going to be fine. Like, I'm going to figure it out. And that's I don't know. That's half the fun for a good, you know, what first 20 minutes of the movie of just following her trying to like be cool about it. Um, yeah, but I think also before we dig into kind of the plot, I want to call out like the, it cannot be overstated how important this film is in a lot of ways. Like there is 
there's incredible amount of dialogue around this film. I mean, there, mm-hmm. this is one of the few, I mean, you guys heard, of course, like the Oppenheimer, Barbenheimer combo. That's what was in the zeitgeist talked about every day, memes online amongst your friends at cocktail hour after work, like whatever for weeks, it felt like. And I, I feel like I've had com- like serious conversations about this film with just about everybody that I know. So I think that that is indicative of this is a really beautiful, interesting, zany, silly story. And it's, pre- but it's presented in a way that doesn't, I think, you know, make the conversation around feminism, patriarchy, what have you, difficult. It makes it like accessible and funny and zany and pretty and beautiful and, you know, aesthetically pleasing and all these things. And it's like it it served it up in, it, to us in a way that I think uh, made it more accessible to talk about and, and really interesting to talk about. And to your point, Mattel in this film is very kind of meta about themselves mm-hmm. in the whole thing. There's a lot of references to their own choices and the way that they lead this company and that the CEO is a man and like yeah. all these kinds of things that happen throughout. And I just think it it has been so impactful, even just culturally impactful as a film. I agree with everything that you said, except for the first thing you said, which is that you said it can't be overstated. I'm going to overstate it right now. <laughs> This movie's more important than the sun. So, Mackenzie, you've just become an enemy of the sun. Sun, way to go. Lamar's like, watch me. Hold my beer. Let me. I can overstate anything. It's not that hard. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. I love the the meta-ness and the silliness of Mattel. I will say, in case anyone is curious, in real life, yes, Mattel does have a male CEO. The board, however, mm-hmm. is about half and half male, female, mm-hmm. so it's not just men on the Mattel board. For the sake of this movie, it works well. It works better to have it it's be so men funny. because of the irony there. But in case you were wondering, not not 100% accurate to the real world. Speaking of irony, like this film has been, <laughs> this film has had so much both intentional and unintentional irony surrounding it. Mm-hmm. Like it was nominated for eight Oscars which sounds like a lot and is a lot and is absolutely an achievement in its own right. So do not want to undercut that at all. But we had notable snubs there, you know what I mean? Which are, again, so reflective of both the irony and the meta-ness of how this applies to the real world because it's like Greta Gerwig, Best Director, no nomination. Mm -hmm. Uh, Best Actress, Margot Robbie, the lead character in this film, no nomination. And this is a Best Picture nomination. So the person who directed it didn't warrant that kind of coverage. The person who led the entire cast and produced the film warranted no nomination, right? And of course, she is nominated in the Best Picture category when she's a producer. But it's just to say that this story doesn't exist without those two people. And they were directly snubbed. And I loved Ryan Gosling's response to that when he was nominated. And he's like, you know, Mm. I'm so honored by the Academy. And he wrote really eloquent words that I won't try to encapsulate here. But essentially, this story doesn't exist without Barbie. This story doesn't, who was played by Margot Robbie. And this story doesn't exist without Greta, who was at the helm of everything, right? And it got nominated for production design, costume design, best adapted screenplay, which she wrote. So you can't have 
all these contributions on the whole and then ignore these kind of key contributions. And I call it out because when this happened to Ben Affleck, for example, in Argo, there was an uproar, right? Argo Mm -hmm. was a great film, nominated for Best Picture. He was snubbed for Best Actor, I mean, Best Director. So it's the same conversation, right? It's like, we were upset when that happened. We should be upset now, I think, as far as her not getting the recognition she deserved. And and she was, it was an almost all-male category in directors. I will say they did nominate one woman, which was good this year. But it's just, there's still not parity there. You know what I mean? And how do you have the highest grossing film of the year, first woman to break a billion, as we've said, this all these other accomplishments, nominations, wins, etc. And then she doesn't get a Best Director nom. I just think that's crazy, but it's so... I don't know, reflective of this film, to be honest. I I hear you. I think that it's hard for me to be fully informed on sort of my even my own opinion on this because I am a little ignorant of like I haven't seen all of the best director noms. I haven't seen all of the best yeah. actress noms. So I can't say, oh, if I had to take somebody out and put put Margot Robbie right. in, who would it be? So I won't speak to that. What I will say is as I was re-watching this yesterday. I think it's a very important film, and I think the message, people need to hear it. Mm-hmm. However, I will also say that it's sort of like a, it's a 50-50 film. of not a popcorn flick, but it reminds me of seeing a really good Marvel film where the story is very compelling, and you, know, you can get some feels in there, and, mm-hmm. but there's still this sort of, this isn't going to be taken seriously as an Academy Award type thing. So I know mm. that I think Black Panther, they gave an Academy, like best picture nom one, yeah. or maybe it was the sequel, but it's like, you know, it's not going to win. My thing is I would not nominate probably, I don't think I would nominate America Ferrer, even having not seen some of them. I think she has that incredible monologue, but the rest of the film, her before it's fine but I don't think it's one of the best performances I've ever seen in in a motion picture, to be honest. It's not that she's bad, but it's just not compelling to me. And same for Margot Robbie. I'm like, wow, she's really, really good in this, but I'm going to transition from there and say it's the same for me for Ryan Gosling. Great comedic performance in this, but I don't Mm -hmm. think he deserves to be nominated to what you said earlier. So I would throw this a best picture nom, but I don't think this is going to be, I don't think it's a master class in any piece of cinema and feel free to disagree that's just where i I was gonna say i i have to disagree with the very last thing that you said Mm -hmm. which is i think america ferreira's i I agree with you on that point right i agree with you that the reason she is nominated is that monologue right there is that moment in that film and how she delivers it and also what was written for her which we can't overlook is gold right and that's what got her the nomination totally support how and why that happened but i agree the rest of the performance isn't challenging in the way that you sort of quote unquote expect from an Oscar nominated performance. Right. And I agree with you on Ryan Gosling, same thing, Margot Robbie, same thing, but I just think all the part, the whole is a sum of its parts. Mm -hmm. And if any of these parts had been poorly presented or poorly performed, then you wouldn't have the ability to, to not only have the box office success that it has had, but also of course the cultural success that it has had and the Mm -hmm. impact that it has had and the conversations that it has propagated. And so I think that they all deserve recognition in that way of a, this is a, this is a cultural moment, I think. And we'll dig into a little bit more of why, but I mean, this is a cultural shift in, I think, a very positive way overall. Of course, we've 
seen some negatives come out of it, but this wasn't even a con this kind of conversation. Some of these kinds of conversations wouldn't have happened a year ago. Like you wouldn't have joking conversations about any of some of these topics a year ago. You wouldn't have her monologue wouldn't be in another film. You know what I mean? Like that just wouldn't exist in another film out of this context. And so I, I do think that's notable. I, but I agree with each of your individual points of if you're just looking at that performance and you're just looking at that person's performance, how that could be, eh, maybe not. Uh, I totally get that. But I do think it is a cinematic moment. I think this is a big cinematic moment in history. It is not the quote masterclass in filmmaking. Like we just talked about in Oppenheimer where I think we can say like, that was pretty close to perfection as far as like mm -hmm. how you create a film and all, bring all these other pieces together. But one, I don't think this film is far behind that. Right. And two, I think it's more original and that's where I want to give it a lot of credit where I think this is a very original story. And while it was nominated for best adapted screenplay, it is a completely original story. It is only it was very controversial that it got adapted screenplay as the category because it's based on it's based on a doll, right? That pre-existed right. Mattel. But it's the story didn't exist, right? This isn't based on a book. This isn't based on anything else. This is just here's a character. Here's a here's a prompt, right? Greta Gerwig got a prompt, make a Barbie movie, go. And then completely built it from nothing. And mm -hmm. that's what I think really deserves a lot of credit here is that this I mean, is I, a really wholly original story and it yielded all of this. Yeah, I, I think we don't have to agree on sort of the the Oscars of thing. Of course, I, of course. I'm a lot less invested. So I think if I paid more attention and I was, you know, how you are with being passionate about like really wanting people to be recognized for these these outputs, I think I would care more. I think you touched on, though, the cultural impact and shift that this movie has had, the money that it made showing that there mm -hmm. are people that this resonates with. I think that in itself is a win. So to yeah. me, I, I lean more on that's that to me is the award that this, that this deserves. It's getting its flowers there. And I know that the actors and actresses and folks are probably bummed that it might not win awards, mm -hmm. but I think it's already sort of made its mark, whether it wins any Academy awards or not. But yeah, yeah I do think, uh, yeah, if it could win zero at the awards on in March, right. And it will still have been, an incredibly impactful film. And I, and I think that's fair to say either way. And they've all been very gracious about it, right? Like Ryan Gosling's statement, of course, that he wrote, but also Margot Robbie has addressed not being nominated and, and Greta Gerwig not being nominated and things like that. And they've all been very gracious about it because I do think there is a confidence in, we know what we did here. We know that we made a really incredible film that ultimately we made for audiences. And that's when, I think it was at the Globes that it won. And Margot Robbie said, like, we made this film for you all. You know, this was for you and we made it with love and we love that you love it back. And that was that new award that they created. It was a box office achievement award and it's the first film to win it. So I think that, yeah, they're getting their flowers in a lot of ways. I think it's hard when the message of the story is so much about how women's experiences and contributions are so routinely overlooked that it mm -hmm. happening to this film makes it sting more. 
Yeah. And I think I think that's a fair like that's a fair assessment, I think, of how I would I feel about it and how I think a lot of people feel about it. Of It's like it's just a one two punch of everything we said in this film is true. And by the way, here it is in real life going to hit you again that mm. this woman's going to be overlooked for her contribution or this, you know, this story is going to be overlooked for its contribution in some ways. But I agree with you. I think it's it's made a big impact either way, whether or not it wins awards for sure. So, yeah. I hear you. I hear you. I also like all the references of it too. I think it's, I think it's talking about the screenplay and the writing of it. She just, she wrote an incredible story here. It's so creative. Mm -hmm. It's so unique. It's cool how she ties these two worlds together, the quote real world and the Barbie world and how those complement or contradict one another, how those characters end up interacting and being impacted by their respective worlds the just the concept i think it's a really unique story unique concept like does is it what you expected when you went to watch it the first time no i had i i don't think i even watched the trailer to be honest i i, I feel like i say that almost every week i i, I don't know if that's intentional that i want to go into movies blind with no expectation but no it didn't play out the way that i thought it would i thought it was it was pretty cool it reminded me of the first time I saw the Lego movie, another mm. sort of toy mm -hmm. property, and you think you know what it's going to be, but then it ties yeah. into, and another Will Ferrell cameo, there you go, it ties <laughs> into this other real world significance of what these yeah. toys mean to people. And I think that that's a, that's a cool parallel there to me. And they, they do a much more direct job in this of saying, oh, I'm actually going to interact with the person who has these feelings about me and is going through these tough times in life. So didn't play out the way that I thought it would, but I, I'm, I'm here for it. It was a blast. Did you have any aversions to going to see it before? Like as a dude who's like, I didn't, I'm not a big Barbie person. Or like, did you have any of that thought process? I'm just curious. No, I voted for Hillary, so I was <laughs> on board. So I'm not no, a monster. <laughs> I think that, if I'm being honest, I think that if I wasn't dating Janelle, I don't know that I would have gone on my own to see this, but that's mm. also just movies in general. I feel like I don't go to the theater as much as I used to. Uh, yeah. This podcast has inspired me to go more, but last year Yay. I might have gone to the movies like once every two months or so. So I think Janelle wanted to see it. I was like, yeah, yeah let's go see it. So we went, but I had no aversions to it. Wow. I just want to clue in on the moment where you were like, we used to go to the movies once or twice. Like what? Once every couple months? Yeah. The the I do you want to know what my my current calendar year count of just movies at Alamo is? Not the calendar year, like just January and no, the three well, weeks sorry, February like at a, this point? twelve months, like a twelve. 12 the la in the last twelve months, how many movies I'm going to guess just at Alamo, you... not including other places. I'm going to guess you go three times a week, so three times. So I'm going to say 156. Okay, I don't go three times a week, but thank you so much for giving me that Whoa. credit. Uh, <laughs> no, I'm at 91 is my current count, just at Alamo. Okay. Yeah, okay. so pretty pretty close, pretty close, actually. Not you do off. work pretty hard, so maybe that's taken away from, from your <laughs> it movie It really time. has. I have a lot less movie-watching time than I used to back in the day, but... Uh, but yeah, no, that's I'm glad that we're getting you out to the movies more, Lamar. That makes me so happy. I also Thanks, don't Janelle. know where I pulled that three times a week thing. Now I feel like an asshole because I'm like, yeah, you probably you go no. to the movies by yourself three times a week. Fucking First dork. of all, that's actually not far. Out. I used to 
Like that's okay. actually not far off. It did used to be two or three times a week. Sometimes it would be none because it would depend on releases, right? Or like I had seen everything mm-hmm. that was out, you know. But there were definitely regular occurrences where it was three to five times a week, depending on what was going on that week. So, yeah, it has diminished quite a bit. I'm still, quote unquote, top brass at Almo. Thank you very much. But yeah, as you said, you do have the season pass. So it's not I do. I'm not saying you're spending money to go three times a week, but with yes. a season pass, like I would assume but you're I used going to. When yeah. I was going so much, that was pre-season past life. And uh, man, I don't know how I afforded that. That was crazy. But <laughs> I'm just a movie addict. But anyway, I'm glad we're going to the movies more. But yeah. I, I think uh, with, in the interest of of covering all the bases on, on Barbie, I don't want to forget that there's there's so many fun references in this film, I think, to external films as well. as And like there's that's where I say I do think it's a cinematic achievement because the production value, the costume design, the performances, all the things that it was nominated for, as well as the music, like it has two, you know, best song noms, which is a rare Mm -hmm. occurrence. That's very cool. Um, And so those are all there, but I also loved, like, I felt like there was a real homage to like a singing in the rain moment, the classic singing in the rain. Yeah. And there are multiple scenes that I'm just Ken scene is mm-hmm. visually so like a singing in the rain, like soundstage, <laughs> classic, you know, musical number. And I think it just, it harkened back to a few of those things, but it modernized them in a really cool way. So I, I really enjoyed all those types of moments in this film, as well as the really fun, weird cameos, like a Kate McKinnon. Oh my God. Yeah. Kate, Kate well, you also, um, before we get into the cameos, you get the very obvious 2001 A Space Odyssey opening reference <laughs> yes. with the smashing of the dolls, yes. which was more of a, they cast that main girl perfectly in the glasses when she's smashing the two dolls together. So uh, good. Also very triggering for those of us who struggled with 2001 A Space Odyssey. <laughs> I was like, oh God, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. But I love that, you know, all those homages, homages to the dolls, to other films, Mm -hmm. to the history of the dolls. I like that in the real world, to your point, there's this awareness of Barbie land and from a Mattel standpoint. Yeah. And and that it kind of informs their own zaniness, to to use your (laughs) word. And it's like they wouldn't, you know, in a regular real world office, it wouldn't that wouldn't be the energy that wouldn't be the vibe at all but right there is this kind of just zany silliness to it and then yes a board of all men because of course because of course i love the zaniness of uh the entire chase scene and especially when it starts with the mattel execs getting in the elevator and will ferrell like don't you dare push that button i want to push it <laughs> like again he kills it. he's just everything that comes out of his mouth in this film is great and i also <laughs> like that he does outright state like that character that he's doing this job because he believes in women and he wants to inspire them. Now you could say like, I guess you could interpret that as him being full of shit. Um, But it does seem like they put that dialogue in there for a reason of saying like, yeah, he's a guy running this company. um, And obviously this is a corporation trying to make money, but he is still somewhat invested. And I think that's why, I, I expected him to be sort of the bad guy at the end, the yeah. villain, but it's not. It's really this face-off between the Kens and the Barbies in their world. So, yeah, I, I thought that he was going to show up and be a villain, but no, I think it was legitimate what he was saying before. Yeah, he's not like a full-blown bad guy. I mean, he's somebody who you look at and you're like, can you 
do better. Like, I would love for you to do better. Uh, but he's not, yeah, like a full-blown monster. Um, but I think what's really fun about it in general is that it is, it's the very stark contrast, right, of this Barbie land where Barbie and all of the other Barbies are so empowered and capable and intelligent and respected for not only who they are physically, but who they are intellectually, emotionally, what have you, all the bases, mm -hmm. right? They're confident, they're intellectual, they have feelings, they have roles, they have capabilities, they have contributions that are valued and it, 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 invaluable, really. Mm -hmm. And that is such a stark contrast to what she experiences immediately in the real world of yeah. you are, you are not valued on site. You are not respected on site on its face. You're an object. You, you're an object. You're immediately an object. And it's, it's alarming how quickly it happens, right? Immediately as she enters this world of, I am purely an object. And of course, she's beautiful. She's a beautiful woman, but she's also intelligent and capable and all those other things that we've said. And so, but she is then diminished to be only one thing. And I think you see it right away. Like she's rollerblading down Venice Beach with Ryan Gosling's uh, Ken. And he, she's like, I feel like vaguely threatened, you know? Right. And, and but like, I'm not sure of what. But yeah. I'm not sure of what. And she can feel that fucking energy immediately. Yeah. And that's something that just as a woman, when you watch it, I think punches you in the gut because you're like, mm -hmm. she is putting words to the thing that we have to feel every day, all the time. And we're screaming from the rooftops to people who will listen is our experience. And it is diminished and devalued on a regular basis. And she is immediately saying, this is different. This is not the way I have moved through the world. This is alarming. This is not normal, nor should it be normal. Right. And to the, I mean, I said, I know most of the folks who listen to this podcast, and I assume the ones that I don't are pr pretty, pretty cool dudes. But mm -hmm. to the men who don't understand this, because there's that scene of the two of them rollerblading and Barbie feels threatened while Ken is sort of soaking it in. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. even there are, it's implied there are a couple of gay men that walk and sort of like oogle him a little bit. And mm -hmm. like, they don't whistle, but they say something of like, oh, I love that outfit. Like mm -hmm. very of like, well, why, why wouldn't he? Why is he soaking it in? It's so confident. And it's like, guys, the point is that men are able, like in most cases, okay, men are physically more imposing than women and are less threatened. If a guy hits on me that I am not interested in, I don't feel as though he could physically take advantage of me if I didn't want him to. From a woman's right. perspective, that threat is all, almost always looming. So that is where the difference lies. If you don't understand why it is, it's not, oh, it's just the way they interpret it. No, it is like it's rooted in science, unfortunately. And yeah, it's, it's not fair. There's something that I think is so resonates so much for women there in those scenes of the, again, the immediate stark contrast from world to world and the immediate comfort and ease that Ken feels when he gets here versus mm -hmm. Barbie of she's yeah. immediately alarmed, stressed, fearful. And that is, that is the difference. That mm -hmm. is the difference of moving through the world as a woman versus a man. And he got to feel great immediately 
And she had an immediate sense of unease and fear. And like, that's where I think that that's the, the message here that cannot be overlooked for me of, I am a strong, confident, capable woman. Most people that know me would say that, but does it mean that I don't walk down the street with my pocket knife readily available and my phone light on or not looking down at my phone when I walk to my car at night quietly or in the dark? Am I constantly on high alert and fully aware of my surroundings? Am I more cautious about how I drink and how I go out with my friends and how I get home and who I am with and who I communicate with when I do those things? 1000% because you have to be. And I think that's that's the difference, even if it is not said out loud. And what I love about this movie is that it is said out loud. It is here is the experience that you don't have and you need to know about. It's not like you did it on purpose, right? Like every right. single man that I know is not a villain. Every single man that I love is not a bad guy, but they just don't get it, right? They yeah. don't live that way. And I love that this put it in a really entertaining, funny, beautiful way, these things that are different and hard while yeah. lightly, lightly roasting some dudes in the process. <laughs> yeah, I think that was a common complaint I heard about this. Not what the message was, but that it felt too on the nose where they were stating from actual dialogue, here's what mm -hmm. we are trying to say with this scene. I And I understand yeah. that complaint, but I do think that it's sort of some of the stuff in here needed to be said out loud. Otherwise, the message would have totally gone over morons' heads. So... Yeah. And I think like it did lay it out on a silver platter in a really overt way. But also, yeah, to your point, sometimes like you have to get knocked over the head with a message to really get it because <laughs> these are things that have been <laughs> I said something to somebody today, actually, that they were like, you need to explain that to him again or him, you know, say it a couple more times. And I was like, well, I already said it. I think it's very important. And And they were like, but he's a man. You have to keep saying it. <laughs> and so it was this very like, hey, they need it three or five more, ten more times to understand that it's not a hint. It's a there, there's a mm -hmm. message here. And so I actually liked that this film like cut through the bullshit and was like, hey, I'm going to just right on the nose, tell you exactly what I'm about and then let you do with it what you will. And I think that the the beautiful parts, again, are the are the women's empowerment and also how she sees that in the real world in in small doses as well. I love the moment at the bus stop with the the older woman. Yeah. And she's kind of sitting there and she's just she's having a little bit of a meltdown, you know, she's stressed, she doesn't know what's going on. She's been arrested a couple times, you know, everything's great. Uh and so but she sees this elderly woman who is of course beautiful, but she tells her, you know, because why wouldn't mm -hmm. you? Like in Barbie Land, you would be like Barbie, you look beautiful today. You know, you would just, you would prop up your girls and tell them how gorgeous they are. And she tells this woman how beautiful she is. And what was so striking about that scene is not that she's wrong because she's not, not that she said it because it makes sense for her character, but that mm -hmm. this woman who is older and alone and seemingly marginalized in some way in our real world says, I know, <laughs> says, I know I am. I know it. Yeah. And it just, that hits, that hits, you know, that's a beautiful moment of someone yeah. feeling their worth and it stands out. And I think that's part of the message too, right? Of yeah. like that, that hits and is profound and it's, sh it shouldn't have to be right. It shouldn't have to be so profound, but it is.
Right. I think that scene is very intentional and I think they point out the irony in the film of, oh no, Margot Robbie thinks she's unattractive. Like there is the narrator oh my God, I know. out of, oh, she's the wrong person if you're trying to Notice say to the production, wrong person yeah. to cast if you're trying to make this point. Exactly. So I think when you look at, you know, all of the people in Barbie world, it's like, well, are we really giving the message that everyone's beautiful? But that that interaction really is the backbone of the film of, you know, inspiring women and whatnot. Um, I think that Greta Gerwig agreed because she fought hard to keep that scene in the movie mm-hmm. when execs said, Hey, do we really need this? I mean, the story doesn't really change whether we keep this or not. And yes, she you did. fought hard yes, to keep did. it in. She actually went as far as to lie about the actress. So the actress has been a costume designer on other films before this. Uh, she's been in Hollywood, I guess, for a while now doing costume design, but Greta lied to the execs and said she helped so much on the costumes of this film. And I feel like to do right by her, I need to keep this little part I gave her in there. And they said, OK, fine. But she was not the costume designer for this. But I love that she went that extra mile to keep this scene in because I do think it, it lends a lot to the the message. Yeah, I mean, I honestly, if you took that out, I, I try to think of how I would feel about that. I... Does it make the does it completely diminish the film? Of course not. But is it a really important moment? I think so. I think so, definitely. Um, and those are all the I mean, like you have America Ferrer's moment as well, which is again very resonant in a different way. You know, mm-hmm. it, it as a woman watching the bus stop scene, again, you're struck by how profound and beautiful and and the camaraderie that is immediately built there, but also by the fact that it shouldn't be that big of a deal, but it is. Yeah. But then when America Ferrera has her speech, it's every woman I know is just screaming like, yes, yes, <laughs> yes, fuck yes. The whole time, the whole speech. And yeah. we won't, we won't give it to you verbatim here. Cause it's one, it's long and I can't do it justice the way she did, of course, but look I'll it up. It. If you I'll do it right now, <laughs> I can't, <laughs> But look it up if you haven't seen it because, like, it's so powerful. It is, it is mm-hmm. it, j- just the headline is it's impossible to move through the world as a woman, you know? Yeah. And it's so, so true. And it's one of the, one of the movie making moments, I think, in this particular film. But we can't overlook all the other, like, really funny things. We've talked about the hard things and, like, the, the, the meta ness and the patriarchy and some of the fem- feminism that's important here. But there's also just really like fun things that are in here that I think, again, make it easier to consume the rest of that, <laughs> right? Like make it easier to take in the hard parts, like the yeah, musical gonna... numbers, the guys okay. and the characters and the the Barbie dream houses and the aesthetic <laughs> and the costumes. Like it's just it's delivered in such a beautiful way that it, I think it has a balance to it. Yeah, I agree with that. I was going to spin off into similar territory of saying First off, I love the buildup to that that scene at the bus stop. I love how Barbie is sort of taking in everything around her and she's experiencing all these emotions and she goes from happy to sad. If I were going to nominate Margot Robbie, it'd be for that scene probably. Yeah. And maybe one near the end when she gets emotional. But that where she's going through this entire rainbow of emotions all at once that she's never experienced before. I like that buildup. But... I was going to spin off of that scene into what you were talking about of the comedic stuff in this film of yeah. meanwhile, Ken is on his own little, <laughs> his own little adventure. Fucking adventure. I love that he's carrying around the books the whole time. He's just got <laughs> three books from the school library. 
I also just love that he's moving around LA so easily because LOL, right? Like there's no <laughs> way that this, this person who has never been to the real world, much less LA, is like just popping across town. Like, let me go to this mm-hmm. library. Let me go to this office building. Let me go to this, you know. And I just love that he's running around and he's, you know, it's annoying for us as women, but as a dude who has been not the front and center character for much of his <laughs> life thus far to just feel like everything everywhere is for him and just the way he reacts to it is is pretty hysterical and i love that he's obsessed with horses <laughs> that's i love the line at the end where he's like well it turns out the patriarchy didn't i thought it was all about horses but it has yeah. very little to do with that so now i'm not into it as much yeah he's yeah. like i basically lost interest when i realized it wasn't as much <laughs> about horses as i thought which i just think is I don't know. It's so funny. And it's also like, again, a light roast of dudes anyway, of just like, I don't really care. It's not about the horses. Like, <laughs> but not, but not Matchbox 20. That's not a roast of anybody. That's <laughs> legitimate. Everyone identifies with that, right? Okay. But the guitar scene, like, I cannot. And I, I make fun of, like, I just love that they're all on the beach. They'll grab their guitar and they just want to play for yeah. you. And it's such a fucking shtick with women who have dated anybody who plays guitar. They're like, <laughs> Has he? Did he bust out his guitar and play at you all night and have no conversation <laughs> with you, but just play at you and let you worship him? And yeah. they just literally embody that moment on the beach. And it's just, it's so funny when they fuck with them and they're like, oh, I'm bored with you. I'm going to go to the other Ken. I'm going to go to this yeah. Ken. And they start yeah. swip, swapping around. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. It's so funny. Yeah, I love that. There's a lot of interesting music in this. The soundtrack is awesome. I think you get Liz- it's Lizzo in the opening track, right? And well, two mm-hmm. opening tracks of the regular Barbie land and sort of the, the evil Barbie land when she's having yeah. sort of the rough go of it, the bad day. But you get Indigo Girls played like four or five times in the, yeah. the driving scenes, I guess is... Is that an anthem for you? Do you identify with that? I had never heard that song. Well, I might have heard it when I was a kid, but. Yeah, I mean, definitely identify with Indigo Girls. Like, it's a rite of passage for sure. And there's, but yeah, I think that the, yeah, I think that the soundtrack is is such a good, healthy mix of of music. But then also they've added in, again, a couple new songs. And some of them are really just fun. Like, I'm Just Ken is, of course, really fun and hilarious and Again, I think that scene is really cool and it's homage to some other musical numbers and other films is really cool as well. And he does such a good job to it. And I think it's what was it Margot Robbie said in one of her speeches? She was like, thank you so much to Ryan Gosling for going full beach. You know, like he's just so <laughs> fucking committed. I mean, it's I, his job. So it's his, his little job. job. My, jo- my job is beach. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I just love that that's his. He's so committed to the role and he just, you know, he just leans in. He's like, he's pure silliness. He's pure, like, he's just extra. I feel like the whole time he's just so extra. I didn't realize it until I looked. I had an inkling, especially on second watch, and I immediately went and Googled it. And I was right that the scene where Barbie finally comes back to him and says, I want to be with you. Let's be boyfriend. And she's, it's obviously a facade. She's, you know, playing. Mm -hmm. But when he's like, give me a minute and walks right behind the wall and just goes, sublime yeah that was improvised so Mario had no idea I was like that seems improvised because I don't know that I would write that into dialogue like Ken walks behind a wall and yells sublime but I thank god they left that in the movie because it's brilliant I was gonna say it's so brilliant it is improvised but it's like it's not just perfect for the character but it's also like I think perfect for 
like a lot of dudes in the situation who are like, because just the, his energy too, walks behind the wall, sets the blind, comes around the corner, acts like everything's cool. <laughs> you know, just like, I'm not freaking out. I don't really care that much. It's totally fine. But in, but he's, you know, had his little his little freak out moment, right? Yeah. So one so more fun. one more music thing I wanted to mention that I was a little thrown by was the fact that we do get it's not the actual song, but we hear the sample of Aqua's Barbie Girl, which I was not yes. expecting because they got sued they in got like sued the 90s. Into submission. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I, I think that they actually ended up, I think the case was eventually thrown out. So they did they kept the rights of the song. They didn't get fined or anything like that. But and I think, yeah. it, you know, Aqua was interviewed and they said, hey, it was better for both of us. They sold more Barbies and we made a shit ton of money off of album sales when people were still buying albums. But I wasn't ex I, I thought it was a little hypocritical of Mattel. I mean, it's been 20 years or what a 30 year oh, 30 years. Jesus. But for Mattel to be like, hey, we're going to use a sample of this song that we tried to sue the pants off the artists who didn't like it. And also the fact that the song itself the reason they were suing was not just for copyright infringement, but it was sexualizing Barbie. Yeah. Which is, you yeah. know, a running plot line of this film is she feels like an object. So yeah. I was a little, I don't know, put off by that. Did you read that the same way or did it not? I mean, it's in the closing credits, but. I just think it's funny that, yeah, they have come around. On, I shouldn't say funny. I think it's interesting to note that they've come around on a lot of things that they wouldn't have before this film. And I think yeah. a lot of that is because of Greta Gerwig's vision and Margot Robbie's vision, because they have been interviewed multiple times about how many times they had to kind of go to the mat with Mattel of mm -hmm. this part is important to the story. No, we have to address this, like especially calling out the old Barbies that were discontinued or the mm -hmm. midges of the world and all those kinds of things. They, they really didn't want to show some of those things and they didn't want to show how she's been so objectified in so many ways. And Greta and Margot's point to them was like, hey, people are going to say this anyway. Yeah. So you need to address it and be aware of it. And I just give them a lot of credit for coming around. And I'm sure they didn't win every battle, right, from a production standpoint. Mm -hmm. But coming around on a lot of those more difficult concepts that maybe don't make them look so great, right? They don't make them look awesome, but they recognize that people are going to thank them and say them anyway. So let's just address it. And the Barbie Girl song is, like it or not, indelibly related to this product to this Fact. story so yeah. it's i think it's such an appropriate usage of it and i'm glad that they let them bring it in because it fits it's it's part of the zeitgeist of barbie it just is yeah so speaking of the um the real world of it all you get Rhea perlman playing the actual barbie creator ruth mm -hmm. and i thought the, the cameo was was pretty cool i thought again the rules of the world are a little strange I love that. Again, they address it. Will Ferrell says her ghost keeps an office on the 17th floor. And that line gets me really good. But it's like she's there. But then she shows up in Barbie land to sort of guide her at the end. Thought that was interesting. So anything to say about Ruth herself, whether in the movie or IRL? I think, you know, I'm glad that she's given this moment of recognition in the film of developing this Barbie, I think that I don't know how this holds up to the real story as I would just say transparently, mm -hmm. I didn't really look into that. And I don't know how much recognition she has or has not been given for being the originator of this, of this doll of this story. But I think it's fair to say that if she wanted it to be all the things she says in the film of this empowering reflection of women, mm -hmm. then then ultimately it's come to that 
did it start that way? No, right, for sure not. Um, and I wasn't a Barbie kid, like just to be totally transparent. We we were not big into Barbies in our house. Like we, my sister and I are are not super girly in that way. But we did have Barbies here and there. We just didn't. What care. toys were you playing? Which action figures or doll dolls were you playing with? I was outside most of the time, to be honest. There was not a lot of like physical toys that we were that into. It was like building tree houses. You know what I mean? Like bike riding, getting in the dirt, swings outside. Like, like the grass stained knees kids. Yeah, I was yeah. the injured and grass stained knees kid for sure. It was <laughs> less about toys. That was far less interesting for sure. So, but I mean, I, I spent a good amount of time in the hospital actually when I was a kid, not to get too off base, but the first gift that I got in the hospital that I actually was able to play with were Barbies. And so the memory that I have of Barbies that I most closely relate to just a really beautiful experience was my, the first time I got to see my sister after my accident that was really bad was her and I playing Barbies in my hospital room on like the little window ledge. And so I have this beautiful memory with Barbies, even though I wasn't a Barbie person. So I don't know. I feel like everybody has kind of a memory about it and some nostalgia about it as well. And in that sense, yes, I think every, you know, every kid in some way can have some kind of reflection of this story. And it started to be much more representative as it has gone on as a, as a doll line, you know, it's got a president version and an astronaut version and a lawyer version. And like, that's what it should be because we can be anything. And that's what I like about, about where it's going. I'm glad that you shared that personal story. It was very touching. But also I feel like there was probably a group of females listening to this who were going to be pissed that we didn't call out every specific reference to the different toys of I had this one and I had this one. So sorry guys, neither of us owned a lot of Barbies. I was going to say, I can't really help you. Yeah. I definitely, I had my favorite one was it the, that again, I got in the hospital was an Indian Barbie who mm-hmm. had, you know, a just beautiful clothes and like, they always have beautiful clothes, but you know, it was, I, even that then I remember thinking like, this is rep- like, this is representative of something that's not me. Like this is, you know, yeah. I, this is not me. It's culturally very different. It was still, it was so cool to see that and and have access to that. So, yeah. Sorry, y'all. If y'all wanted like every Barbie reference, <laughs> I don't know them all. I apologize. <laughs> you got the wrong girl. But uh, <laughs> but it was still a really fun nostalgic film while also, yeah. I think modernizing the story in like a really funny and fun way. Agreed. Agreed. I can't relate to the Barbie toys. What I did relate to was the size of like college mini fridges and the impracticality that <laughs> literally fits like three things. The freezer is useless. So of all the toys in this film, I think that was what I most related to. Yeah. Did you identify deeply with the, with the, what is it? The Ken Casa Dojo house. The Mojo situation. Dojo Casa Mojo house. Mojo Dojo Casa house. Yeah. And just the the redundancy <laughs> of saying Dojo Casa and house all in a row. Uh, I would probably have bought one of those if they had put those out when I was a kid, honestly. Yeah. I would have put, that would have been on my Christmas list. If this was available at the Scholastic Book Fair, you would have bought it yeah. for sure. Saved up the points. Gotten, <laughs> gotten the Mojo Dojo Casa house. <laughs> Uh, speaking of um, movie references, I like when the Kens are coming back to the Mojo Dojo Casa house and they're galloping on the invisible horses and there's like the clip clop sound effects. So there's a nice little Monty Python in the Holy yes. Grail reference there. We but love yeah, a Monty I, Python moment. 
I love this it. This was just, yeah, the more I talk about it, the more it's a very fun film for men. <laughs> it's a very fun, but also I think, you know, a different experience for women. I'll let you speak more to that. Yeah, I think the conversation could get pretty intense around this with a woman, I think is fair to say, especially with me. Like, I mean, whatever, you've met me. I have have met you. You have met me, yeah. And I just have strong opinions about what women's experiences are versus men's. And I, I think that's what I love about this movie is it really shines a light on that in a way that, Mm-hmm. I don't think is intended to attack. It's not. No. It's intended to just educate. I, I really believe that that's how it was presented. And I'm glad that it has, because I think it's fair to say that we don't always understand one another's experiences. And like, why wouldn't we want somebody to translate a little bit sometimes if for no other reason than having an impact to change it later? And I hope that that's the takeaway. You know, I hope that the takeaway from this film is, okay, this is a fair assessment of the difference. Yes, it is hyperbolic and it's, you mm-hmm. know, made silly and big and loud and funny and fun, but the core is still true. And hopefully I've learned from this message. I told you about this off mic, the, that text message, that really long text message that that dad sends to his son after mm-hmm. he sees Barbie and how he literally thinks the world is going to be a pre-Barbie world and a post-Barbie mm. world because of how important it is. And I saved the, I saved it. I actually have parts of it. And it was like, you know, Barbie is a superhero movie, but she's more powerful than Superman, Batman, Spider-Man, et cetera. Mm-hmm. She uses her EQ, her thoughts, her senses, her feelings, her intellect, courage, confidence, and love. And she can communicate it, all of it immediately in real time. We've never seen this in cinema before. Barbie takes on the patriarchy with surgical precision. And I just thought that was such a great assessment and accurate and indicative of every woman that I know. Every woman I know is this powerful and this confident and this beautiful and this Mm -hmm. capable. And I'm just so happy to see it on screen. I'm so happy to see people saying that about this film and see it on screen and have them have that opportunity to be displayed and represented this way. I love that. I do. Um, I was going to say, you said something specific there where you said this is not an attack. And I, I stated that at the beginning. And I think two last call outs I would have in evidence of that is that America Ferreira's speech, at least in the first part, when they start pulling in the individual Barbies to sort of get them unbrainwashed, there's a, a little bit more about how you're portrayed to men. But her her initial speech, I paid more, not, not more attention, but I paid closer attention last night on rewatch. It's not critiquing men and the way men treat Mm-mm. women. It's talking about the difficulty in being a woman in the world. And that's mm-hmm. not just because men do things to you. It's how you're perceived by the people around you, men and women and the rest of everyone mm-hmm. in society and the role that you have to portray there. So it is not saying men Mm -mm. are bad and that's why women's lives are bad no it's not and i would add on to that because i think it also comes i hope it hits different when i say the one miss that i do think is maybe even not a phase one and shouldn't have been captured in this movie but what i think the crux of the matter is for a lot of women or at least for myself is it doesn't have to be one extreme or the other right? right like barbie land is 
a representation of a female-led world, which, by the way, I think is and would be beautiful, right? Like, there's a lot of great, <laughs> great arguments for why that would be awesome. But the film itself doesn't come full circle to be truly egalitarian, right? That never happens. Right. It is one or the other. It is the patriarchal universe that is, quote unquote, the real world. And then there is the matriarchal women-led universe that is Barbie land. And those never marry fully <laughs> in this film. And one is purported to be better than the other. I don't necessarily disagree with that. But I also think it is fair to say that for a lot of women, or at least just speaking for myself, my goal is not to be put on a pedestal or be more important than a man mm -hmm. or my counterpart or my male friends or the men in my life. My goal is to be truly on equal footing. Yeah. And I can recognize that this film does not quite achieve that either. Mm -hmm. Right. And that's, that's okay. I think actually, I think it's a knee jerk reaction and a response to a world in which we have lived that has been so opposite that it's time to show what it, could be like and the differences that could be there and are there for women and i think that's fair mm. uh and it doesn't have to be the goal right it doesn't have to be that that's an this is better than it's different it just is different um yeah and yeah again not an attack but a i think interesting representation of both and done in a really beautiful funny fun well-written original way i think overall yeah i think that it's really interesting to me because i I think I came into this episode of saying like, hey, I'm going to I want to focus on this as a film and I don't want to talk entirely about just the the social messages of mm -hmm. it. But it's, I'm realizing not just how important it is to have this discussion. That's kind of the entire point of the film, but also how interesting and thought provoking it is to have these discussions. So the last thing that I will say is this. When I was a middle school teacher, I worked on a pretty difficult campus. And when I say difficult, I mean, you know, mostly low income and multifamily households and students who didn't have the best home life and whatnot. And one of the first days that I worked there, we did an activity that was meant to sort of demonstrate the meaning of privilege because a lot of people hear that and get triggered. They get offended because they think it means that someone is trying to tell you that you're not working. You didn't work hard to get where you are. That, you know, because you were born rich or because you were born white or anything like that, that means you haven't had a hard life. That's not what privilege is. And the way that they demonstrated this to us and, you know, th this obviously also transfers to the message of this story of the, the difference in gender and sex and whatnot. But, you know, th what they did was they put us all in a straight line and they said, hey, if you grew up in a two parent household for the entirety of your childhood, take a step forward. Uh, mm -hmm. If you didn't take a step back, if by, if your parents paid for your college, take a step forward, if not take a step back, it went through, you know, 10, 20 different questions. Right. And then you look around the room and it's okay. This is what privilege means. It doesn't mean that I Lamar didn't bust my ass to mm -hmm. get where I'm at. It just means I got to start in a better starting place mm -hmm. than a lot of other people. And I just mm -hmm. need to be aware of that in my decisions. And I think you can take that and sort of apply it to the differences in sort of um, like gender norms, what we consider norms, I guess, and just women's and men's, uh, I guess, trying to get us on equal footing as best as we fucking can. I agree. I, I plus one to everything you said. I, It's so important to just understand the experiences of other people regardless. And I think having that compassion and empathy 
is not always innate. And that's also okay. Like you don't have to come into the world fully educated and quote unquote woke and know everybody's life Mm -hmm. experience. Like that's, but that's part of human nature is learning and accepting that different experience and adjusting and allowing for it. And I think that's where your compassion and your empathy come into play. And I just hope that this film did that. And I agree with you. I don't think you can divorce the two. I don't think you can divorce that This is a fun, beautiful, awesome film from what the message is. And I hope that what comes out of that is, is that compassion and that empathy and and love for your, for your counterparts and their experiences. So with all that in mind, I would say my rating on this is like a solid nine out of 10, nine and a half Mm -hmm. out of 10. I love this movie. I think, I think it should literally be homework. I think literally everyone should watch (laughs) it. So, you know, what do you think? I agree with you that I think it's it's really, really good, really worth watching. I think upon rewatch, you know, we've talked about, I think the message of this movie is a 10 out of 10. I think mm-hmm. social commentary is a 10 out of 10. As a film, I think there were some things that didn't necessarily land on rewatch. I, some of the humor wasn't as mm. funny the second time around. I think mm. it's also, it makes the mistake, like I said earlier, where it's sort of half really good social commentary, but then it's also partially... You know, it's a it's meant to be a box a blockbuster. Mm-hmm. So it's mm-hmm. it's leaning on sort of some bad habits that I've seen from other franchises and things like that. You know, your Marvels of the world and Lego movie where they're making some jokes that are going to be dated in a couple years. Like there's mm. a thing about the Justice League. Like oh, I really ca- I found myself caring about Zack Snyder's Justice League. I laughed yeah. really hard when I saw <laughs> that last year. <laughs> when I rewatched it last night, I was like, oh, okay. So like the some of the humor I feel like won't age as well over time. And uh, one thing we didn't talk about was I think you might have brushed on it, but the the visual effects in this I thought mm-hmm. that again Greta didn't get this best director nod, but the the visual component of it every almost everything is practical. I think yeah. that's very cool to recreate not only some of the Barbie toys and play play sets and whatnot but also the transition scenes to the real world and whatnot Mm -hmm. i think there's a lot of really good stuff there all that to say again i for for the messaging of this film obviously i got a lot out of it i feel like i've talked about a lot about that today um maybe i'm not in the target demo so for me on on a personal level this is not going to be one that i'm going to rewatch and rewatch and rewatch but Mm -hmm. i would still give it like a seven and a half and eight. I think it's mm. absolutely worth seeing. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's going to be a favorite of my personal collection, but I think again, culturally and moral wise and message wise, I think it's 10 out of 10, but as a motion picture, I'm going to give it like seven and a half, eight. Yeah, I think that's fair. I mean, and I mean, all ratings are fair, their opinions, but mm. yeah, I do think it'll resonate with me more in a longer term, just again, I'm watching it as a woman. It's a little bit different, of course. And, but I, I agree with you. It's just a, it is still just at its core. It's a fun movie. It's a fun movie yeah. to watch. It's yeah. beautifully done. It's, you know, visually stimulating all the things. So yeah, I think, uh, guys go watch Barbie. If you haven't already, we, we have some strong feelings about it, obviously. So come on, Barbie, go watch Barbie. <laughs> Exactly. Uh, but all that uh, all that being said, we talked about it for a long time, so obviously we're big fans. But come back next week for our beginning of our March apps, which we're going to be doing a little March Madness for you guys. Uh, <laughs> for those of you who don't know, March Madness is basketball month, basketball craziness. But we're just going to make it like a sports month. We're going to watch some sports movies. 
And not all basketball. Not which, all basketball. You know, speaking of the first film, you're going to tell them it's not a basketball movie. It's not a basketball movie. It's just going to be sports movies. The first one's going to be the Iron Claw, which we've we've both been wanting to talk about for a minute. So yeah, we had good. talked about doing this since like December, and yeah. we're finally going to yeah. get around to it. So if you didn't get enough feels out of all. Deep talks on this one. Get ready for some real fun next week. Get ready for some fun. Yeah. So come back for that. Also, you know, if you have suggestions, we'd love to hear them. I have a few in mind for the rest of the month. Don't get me wrong, but uh, Mm -hmm. happy to hear your thoughts on some good, some good sports flicks. Love to hear that. But for now, go have a drink and watch a thing. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers.